Welcome to the third and final episode in this series about five ways to improve your sound or get awesome sound on your podcast. I keep changing the title each week, but I don't really care because I just want you to have awesome sound, amazing sound, high quality sound on your podcast. So in the first episode, episode 17, we talked about understanding the basics of recording and we talked about how to improve your room. Last week, we dove into gear. We talked all about computers, software, handheld recording devices, microphones, different types of microphones. So if you haven't listened to those first two episodes, go back and check those out before you dive into this one. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the actual techniques you use when you're recording, and we're going to talk about mixing and mastering. Now, be forewarned, in the mixing and mastering section, I'm going to go over some things that are pretty technical. Some of the things actually took me close to 10 years to really get good at and understand fully. So don't feel bad if you don't understand all of the things in it. Some of the things like compression and EQ are pretty complicated and pretty hard to master. And frankly, if you don't understand all that stuff or you don't want to understand all that stuff, that's why my business exists, Emerald City Productions. Uh, you can go to emeraldcitypro.com. We offer production packages and launch packages that can get you set up with all of this stuff and then take care of all of that production work for every episode that you put out. Without further ado, let's hit the last two ways to improve your podcast sound. Now, we need to talk about your technique. First of all, you have to warm up. And that's not just your voice, okay? That's spending 10 minutes, 15 minutes, a lunch beforehand with your guest. As people get nervous, which you may have heard at the beginning of the presentation was I, when I started, I was a little nervous. Your voice is a little bit higher pitched, okay? If you talk to them and loosen them up, then their voice lowers and it sounds more pretty to listen to, okay? With all types of microphones, you're then gonna wanna be anywhere from two to six inches away from the microphone, okay? A little closer for dynamic microphones, a little bit more space is okay with condenser microphones. And then you have a pop filter. This picture here shows that, that's that lollipop thing with the pantyhose on it that you may have seen before. Um, or you've seen big honking windscreens on microphones. Those serve a similar purpose. But basically what that's doing is catching plosives, P's, B's, and things like that. Um, and then you need to work on your recording level. I like to shoot for what I call the Goldilocks zone because it's just right. Do I have a pointer on this? I do. So here's your audacity meter up here. Um, the Goldilocks zone is actually about two-thirds of the way up. That's where you want your peaks to be hitting, and then your lows to be right in there. So sort of in the middle to two-thirds of the way up. Um, sometimes you'll see color. Like here, on this one, I would go up to about the green, and this is Pro Tools, what I use here. Um, I would be hitting just into the yellow. What that does is it leaves what we call headroom. It's actual loudness space above what you recorded for the mixing engineer to be able to do stuff, to add things, to compress it a little bit, to make it sound better. And then again, you wanna think about quiet. Not the room this time necessarily, but clothing. Jewelry. If someone, if your guest is using um, Apple 
old school wired earbuds with the microphone and it's shaking around on their clothing, you need to have them address that. Maybe hold it when they speak, something like that. Um, you also want to turn off notifications. Okay. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Have you heard that in an interview before? Put do not disturb on your computer. Um, and in Skype, you can turn off notifications and things like that so you don't get those annoying noises. Then we need to talk about mixing and mastering. Now, there are some things you can do in Audacity. You can do this on your own, and you can experiment and test it and get your settings and save them and just use them over and over. But there are certain, um, we'll call them plugins or just things that process sound that are really good to know how to use and are actually pretty simple to use. The first is the high-pass filter. Um, Audacity has one of these, GarageBand has one of these, and any DAW that you spend more than $60 for or $10 a month for is going to have this stuff. A high-pass filter is a basic EQ that essentially only allows high frequencies to get through the filter. So below a certain point, it cuts them out. And this is great to deal with any mic pops that got through. So those P's that your pop filter, maybe you had someone that was speaking really loudly and it, and it popped. You can control those with this type of stuff. The de-esser um, is actually the opposite end of the spectrum. So it takes that frequency that can actually cause headaches and it tames it, it squishes it down, okay? Um, now let's talk about basic EQ because it's actually really simple. A lot of people look at EQ and they see a curve and it's all crazy and they get scared. For the human voice, you really only need to know four things. At 100 hertz, that's warmth. That's your Barry White. Um, females, it's a little bit higher than that, 150. That's warmth. Okay, you push that up. If you if it sounds a little harsh, you want to warm it up a little bit, you can do that. 300 hertz, nothing good happens there. You don't need it. So you can actually pull it out and you can clean up your sound a little bit. Uh, what's next? Nasality. If you think you sound nasal, I don't know why you'd add nasality, but maybe you have a very dull voice, I don't know. Um, if you think you sound nasal, you can pull down two kilohertz. Okay, and then five kilohertz is presence, clarity, diction, your consonants, things like that, that make it easier to understand what you're saying. And then compression. Compression is the hardest to understand. It's the hardest to get good at. But basically what a compressor does is it takes your signal that's going like that and it squashes down the loudest stuff so that you then can push everything up and make the softs louder too. Um, a good setting to use, and this is actually all in the video that you'll get if you, if you want my bonuses, um, two to one ratio. Okay, I won't explain exactly what that means, but it's the strength at which it compresses stuff essentially. And then you set the threshold to knock off three to six dB. Okay, basically the threshold is when the compressor turns on. It has to reach a certain level for the compressor to actually work, and then you want to squish it down a little bit so that you then can add back a dB or two or three to make everything a little bit more the same volume. You know, if you're the type of person that accidentally backs away from the mic sometimes, this is a great way to fix stuff like that. And let's talk about Ophonic. How many of you uh, have already used Ophonic or have heard about it? Ophonic, Ophonic, it's a, I believe it's a German company or Swiss company, something like that. I'm not sure how they pronounce it. I think this is a great tool, especially if you don't have much of a budget 
or zero budget. Um, Basically, it's a mixing and mastering tool, for lack of uh, a better description. It does a whole lot more. It does noise reduction and, and a lot of things. But this would replace sort of your mastering engineer normally at the end. Um, but there's a trick. The more editing you do to your show, the more you balance the levels between your guests and you, the more you do some noise reduction ahead of time in Audacity, the better Alphonic does. You could actually get pretty close to a human mastering engineer with Alphonic if you do enough ahead of time to tweak. But being a human who does this for a living, I think that humans are better at this than Alphonic. Humans have emotion, they can hear what's going on in the episode, and they can tweak things in mixing and mastering that a phonic just can't figure out because it's, it's an algorithm. Like, basically, it's a bunch of computers. It's, it's, you know, Skynet and Terminator and stuff. Like, so I, I want humans to keep doing this because you will get a better product if you do this. Today's show was brought to you by ConvertKit, the only email marketing system you'll ever need. After five years with the email marketing provider that everyone starts out with, you know who I'm talking about, I was desperately searching for one that was simple, easy to manage, and affordable. ConvertKit easily stood out above the rest, and I've been ridiculously happy with them ever since I made the switch. Emailing my community and creating automation series for special resources has never been so simple. Whether you're ready to start your first email marketing setup or you're searching for a new provider, I highly recommend ConvertKit. Go check them out and other resources that I recommend at dannyosmond.com slash resources. That's dannyosmond.com slash resources. 